Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, let's start in verse 1. Then Paul came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek or a Gentile. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and Paul took Timothy and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in the region, for they all knew that his father was a Gentile. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Sam Othrice, and the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for the freedoms we have, as we've already prayed. We thank you for that, Father, and we don't take it lightly. And so, Lord, as we come to study your word, we ask for your Holy Spirit to not just give us another study, but to transform our hearts. And Father, I pray for the gift of teaching, that you would be glorified through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the last time we were together, we had studied about how Paul and Silas went to Derby and then to Lystra, where Paul met a young man, Timothy, and asked him to join the team. And so this morning we find the team moving further west with the gospel in this Paul's second missionary journey. And so we're going to look at verses specifically 6 through 10. If you're just tuning in, we encourage you to have a Bible, get a Bible, and follow along in the Word of God. And so we're going to basically go over verses 6 through 10. They were ministering in Galatia and Phrygia, which are areas or regions and not actual cities. The, the team would go to various cities within these areas, preaching and teaching that Jesus was the Son of God, literally the Son of God, the Messiah, that he was the Christ. And we see here that the team is moving northwest from Galatia to Phrygia. 
And there was a desire to head south into Asia. But notice in verse 6, very important. Notice in verse 6, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. That sounds kind of weird. I thought God loved everybody. I thought God loved the whole world. Why would God not want to reach people in Asia? God does love the whole world. God does love the people in Asia. And God is going to reach those people. But we want to learn a lesson here this morning. This is what we're looking at for a principle. This is a very important principle that we all want to know. The will of God. The will of God. And so I'm going to go over verses and we're going to look at these verses and say, well, how can we learn what the will of God is for our lives? So here they're moving through, but notice this. Very strong language. They were forbidden. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. They continued to go east toward the coast of the Aegean Sea and they came to the region of Mysia. From there, they desired to go to Bithynia, which is located about 200 miles northeast. But once again, notice in verse 7. Notice once again in verse 7. But the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, did not permit them. Again, notice the Holy Spirit was the one who did not allow them to go in that direction. So they ended up at Troas, which is located on the eastern coast of the Aegean Sea. Now, even though we don't know for certain how the Spirit worked in their lives to forbid them from going, the bottom line is the Scriptures tell us that he did. So what can we know for certain about Paul and his companions? That they were studying the Word of God. This we can know for certain. They were studying the Word of God and praying about their next move on a regular basis, regular basis. How many of you this morning, let's see a show of hands, how many of you this morning would like to know the will of God in your life? Amen. That's kind of a rhetorical question, right? The answer is kind of obvious. Yeah, yeah, we'd like to know. Well, let's look at some verses, because I personally believe that as the team was moving from place to place, that there was prayer being made for direction and vision. Let's look at Philippians, and you don't need to turn there, because we're going to go fast here. Take a picture or write them down. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Notice what Paul is specifically praying for. That you would have discernment. Knowledge and all discernment. How about Colossians? Colossians says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you that we've heard of your salvation and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual, spiritual understanding. Very, very important. How about Hebrews? But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. And so I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. I wouldn't argue, but I believe he did. And so he uses, as every rabbi would use, physical analogies to teach a spiritual principle. You know, you don't give a a, a chunk of steak to a one-year-old or a two-year-old. They're going to choke. And unfortunately, even in America, there's many children as well as adults that die every single year in America from choking. So this is just a, a physical analogy. Solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. Notice that there, as I pull out this verse, very important here. 
have their senses exercised, reason of use, to discern, to discern good and evil. How do you and I, how can we discern whether it's right for, disobe- uh, for civil disobedience? To where we don't come out as being evil, we're going to disobey you because we hate you, we disapprove of you. No, 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 no. None of that. So we have to make sure that we're following after the love of God with grace and mercy, with respect. So we have to be in the word of God. How about 1 Thessalonians chapter 2? But we, brethren, haven't been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart. Notice that. Physical distancing. But not in heart. Endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. But Satan hindered us. I wanted to bring this out. People will ask at times, what is the will of the Lord in this situation? Yeah, I don't know specifically what his will might be in every situation, but I do know that if I ask God for wisdom, he will give it to me. James says that very specifically. If any of you lack wisdom, ask of God. He will give it to you liberally. He will give it to you abundantly. He will always meet your need. You see, that's a promise. You see, oftentimes we just want to know the will of the Lord without gaining the wisdom of biblical principles. Guys, this is so important. Again, as we go through Bible studies, I try to impart to you a principle, not just a study. Who needs another study? We've got to learn principles that we can grow, that we can mature by, that we can pass on to somebody else. That when you mentor someone, as we've mentioned last week, or you're being mentored, you're not just hearing the word of God, you're hearing the word of God, but you're also learning a principle. This is very, very important. I'm going somewhere with this, and that's why I'm driving home this point. You and I, we need to learn the principles. You see, it's like a student who desires to be an engineer in a specific field or discipline. It takes years of studying the principles of a specific discipline, mechanical, chemical, civil, electrical, management, and geotechnical in order to become an engineer. The word discipline is from the Latin word disciplina, meaning instruction and training. Now, we might think of discipline immediately as far as disciplining our children, Now think of broader, a person who's going to become an engineer. It's derived from the root word, desir, or to learn. So what is discipline? Discipline is to study, learn, train, and apply a system of standards. You see, for younger people that are going to become, say, a mechanical engineer, they go to school and they learn, and they learn, what do they learn on? They learn on the back of other people's mistakes. There have been bridges built in America that did not withstand certain storms. Just reality. And they learned something through that. And then they improved on that. That's what it's all about. And so it definitely takes... Learn, study, learning, training, and applying a system of standards. And that's, that's called the field of study. 
But does that sound a lot like what a disciple is? You disciple and discipline come from different root words, but they run parallel with each other. I mean, think about it. You really cannot have one without the other. A disciple needs to be disciplined so that they might grow in grace and knowledge of the Trinity as well as using of the spiritual gifts, the triunity of the Godhead. So coming to understand what the Holy Spirit would like to do in my life versus what our spiritual enemy would like to do in my life comes through a disciplined life of studying, learning, training, and applying principles found in the Word of God. You see, unfortunately in Christianity, especially the last 20 or 30 years, it's become like a, a magical thing or a mystical thing. No, it's not magical, it's not mystical, of finding out what's going on in my life. It's predominantly about gaining wisdom through real life experiences. But using the word of God as a basis of evaluation. Again, think about that. What is the will of God for my life? Well, if I'm praying today about something, I need to look back and say, well, what was the will back then? Has your will changed? Has your will changed? Has the Bible changed? And the answer is going to be no. No. Some things are obvious, some not so much. A disciple needs to, be a, 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 needs to be disciplined, very disciplined, you and I. So what are some obvious ways that have helped to show us what the will of God is for our lives? Well, I just wrote down a few. You could write down many yourself. We can know the will of God when we adhere to the teachings of the scriptures by the universal Christian church that brings about the unity of the believers. We can know the will of God when we adhere to the teaching of the scriptures by the universal Christian church that brings about the unity of the believers. That's one way of knowing the will of God. We can also find the will of God in our lives by listening to other Bible-believing Christians who encourage or support us through the word. You notice I'm taking everything back to the word. Everything has to go back to the word. Young people... Get used to your life running everything through the word of God. If you do that, you will have way fewer problems than those who have gone before you. But you have to be the one to make that decision. Nobody can make it for you. We can understand the will of God in our lives through the practical witness from other believers in the church. You know, there's, there's two ways that we can learn. We can learn the hard way, or we can learn through observation. Personally, I like observation. You know, we're being fruit inspectors. And so in my life, I've watched other people go through things and I go, ooh, man, did that hurt. I don't think I'm going to do that. That didn't help their marriage. That didn't help their family. That didn't help their career. Ah, they're Christians. They're going to heaven. But man, look at what they just did, which also violated the word of God. See, when you do counseling and you're counseling with people, you, they come up in and they, they do scriptural gymnastics to justify their sin. 
And I'm, I don't do that. I just go, well, you got, you know what? There's a black marble and here's a white marble. Here's the word of God. Here's the truth. Here's the word of God. This is the truth. This is what you're doing. Which one are you? Which one are you? Well, we're gray. No, no, there's no, let me, let me see. There's no gray marble on this table. Sorry, it's black or white. What are you, black or white? What is it? You see, we can learn from other people. And yes, we can even learn God's will through things that come into our lives, things like an illness. Not near the Christian fiction will promote that you should never be sick. Well, this wouldn't have worked in Paul's life. Paul had an illness. I believe he had an eye ailment. An accident. And even in our text this morning, you'll notice that Paul had a vision. You see, in my life, I've learned to become more sensitive to that still small voice within us all called the Holy Spirit. And so I've got a few slides here. He will, he will never, the Holy Spirit will never lead us into sin, which is obviously against God's will. As we leave that up there for a few moments, as we think about, well, how do I know God's will for my life? Well, if you're not in the word of God, you're going to have a hard time finding out what is God's will for your life. I'm not talking about buying a car, buying a house. Way bigger things here. We're going way deeper here this morning. It's called, how do I live out my Christian faith? If you're not in the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, you're going to have a hard time living out your life. You're going to have a hard time finding out what is the will of God because the Holy Spirit will never, never lead us into sin. Secondly, he will never cause us to compromise the word of God, which would obviously be against God's will. So again, young people, this is the most important thing you could do for the rest of your life. Get a Bible and read from Genesis to Revelation. He will never ask you to compromise on the word. And as you grow and you see someone that's attracted to you and and they're attracted to you, both of you have that physical attraction and you as a believer all of a sudden find out they're not a believer, you're going to want to justify it. Well, he's my mission because he said, I love you. He's not your mission. He's God's mission. You are never called. I wonder if it's the will of life that I date an unbeliever. I wonder if it's the will of God if I marry an unbeliever. Well, if you haven't been reading your Bible, you're going to listen to the enemy and you're going to marry and then you're going to pay for it. Versus if you're in the word of God, you're going to know instantly, this is not the will of God. This is not the will of God. I need to stay focused and if they get focused and if they come to church and if they receive Jesus and if they start to show the fruit of, of, of being a Christian without me pushing it on them, if they do that all by themselves, then this may be the will of God. But let's give it a year or two and see what happens. You see, this is, this is reality. But through prayer, with thanksgiving, the Holy Spirit will always give us a peace that surpasses human understanding because confusion is never brought about by God. It's brought about by our spiritual enemy. But wisdom and peace is from the Holy Spirit. So how do I get that? Through prayer and through the Word of God. You know, in our marriage, there's been several occasions where we have been very confused about what we should do about certain things that were happening in our family and in our marriage. Very confused. But we had learned decades ago, go to the word of God. Go to the word of God. What does the word of God say? 
well, you know, the Word of God really doesn't address this specific issue, but it's, it says kind of something like this about it. Okay, have you gone to Christian counseling? So we would go to older brothers and sisters in the Lord, more mature, who would take us to the Word of God and who would give us that perspective via the Word of God. And we'd pray individually, wanting to hear from God. What is the will? I, I have my will, and Claudia has her will, but what is your will? And guys, I just want to give you a, a personal testimony. Sometimes it took a, a week or longer, maybe 10 days, maybe at the longest, but we would always come together and we would always know what the will of the Lord is. God always showed us. But we had to die to self and we had to be in the word and we had to be praying. And this is something that very few people find themselves doing. Rather, they're just going after their feelings, their emotions. Well, my dad did it this way, or my mom did it that way, or so-and-so does it that way, so that's what I'm going to do. And all of a sudden, they find themselves getting hurt, and then they turn into what? Where were you, God? I threw up a 15-second prayer. Where were you? Guys, don't ever blame God. Make sure that you're in the word of God. Let's look at verse 11. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis. Uh, Samothrace is an island at the midpoint between Troas and Neapolis. Neapolis is a seaport that was only a few miles from Philippi, which was a Roman colony. And this meant that they had the same rights as Roman citizens, and we'll touch on that next week as we get into the second half of the chapter here. Verse 12, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia. So here's a very specific city in an area, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. We don't know how many days, few days, weeks, months, we don't know. So for several days, for some days. Verse 13, and on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. So now this tells us something very important. So as you read your word, you want to slow down and read your word. Actually study it a little bit. Because as we read that, what jumps out at you? If you've been coming here for a while, you've heard me say, and I'm sure you've heard other pastors say, well, to have a synagogue, you'd have to have 10 Jewish males in a city. So this tells us that there was not a synagogue. There were not at least 10 Jewish males. So Paul would always go to the synagogue first and then go to other people. So what was happening? Where prayer was customarily made and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Very interesting, very interesting. We don't see a reference to even one man in that verse. Prayer was customarily made there. Did you see that? In other words, it wasn't like, hey, it's, uh, you you wanna go down and have a prayer meeting? Yeah, not really. Okay, well, all right, we'll do it next week. Next month, next year. No, they were meeting there on a regular basis so other people would have known that and could have freely joined that if they wanted to do that. Very important as far as learning the word of God. You know, I got a slide here. I think most women have a natural way of praying with others because most women have a natural way of talking. That's just the way God designed them. Not mocking, no ridicule. That's just reality. You have to be mature enough. We have to be mature enough to discuss mature things. Most women, I know I'm painting with a wide brush, but most women have a natural way of talking. So they will develop relationships in the horizontal. 
most women will be the ones that will develop a relationship in the vertical as well. They will spend time in prayer. While this is probably the hardest thing for men to do, now again, I know I'm painting with a white brush, so if it applies to you, fine. If not, please listen up, because this is reality. We've done marriage ministry for over 30 years. You would think that it would be natural for every husband and wife to pray together. You would think that would be absolutely natural. It is absolutely naturally not. Very few couples, and I want you to raise your hands. You do your own evaluation via the Holy Spirit. Very few couples in this room today pray with their mate 5, 10, 15 minutes at a time, four, five, six times a week. Very few marital couples do that. And that's just reality. And so how do we know what the will of God is for our lives? Well, I feel, there's the problem right there. I feel, I, had a, I ate a burrito, and boy, do I feel like we shouldn't do it. Good for your burrito. That's not the way you want to make a decision. You want to make a decision through prayer. You see, 1 Timothy 2.8 says this, I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. You see, guys, we need to step up and gather for prayer. And it is going to be uncomfortable. Well, how do you get comfortable? By being around other men that pray. By realizing, oh, they're just talking. Oh, I didn't know it was that simple. You, you allowed the enemy to cause doubt and fear into your mind, bring it into your mind. You see, Christian men should be the spiritual battlefield interceding for our country, our state, our city, our mates, our children, our grandchildren. You see, there's a battle going on and many of the warriors are lazy. Might want to put your toes underneath your chair. Lethargic and lackadaisical about prayer. We talk about it. Don't got time for it. You see, there's something refreshing that takes place at a prayer meeting. You get your eyes off of yourself and you focus your heart on the throne of God by interceding for others. Absolutely refreshing. Absolutely. No matter what the enemy might try to tell you or me, there is no other activity that is more important than prayer. But even in my own life, it is an area that always is in need of constant improvement. That's just reality. So let's ask a few questions. What about your prayer life? Do you have one? Just answer yourself. No show of hands. And allow the Holy Spirit to minister. This is what transformation takes place. Not just another Bible study. Oh yeah, yeah, I do. Or you know, I know I don't. Okay, what's for lunch? No, no, no. Asking the Holy Spirit, why don't I? Why don't I? Are you a part of a prayer group? If not, get involved. It's that simple. The Lord opened our heart in verse 14. We've got to make it fast here. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple in the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart. Notice that. The Lord opened her heart. Not us. We don't save anybody. But we can water and plant and fertilize. The Lord opened her heart to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Notice there that Lydia 
at a prayer meeting, received Jesus. I believe she received Jesus because it says in verse 15, and when she and her house were baptized, Paul would not have baptized them contrary to the word of God, repent and be baptized. So her family, she, this, this babe in Christ went home, told her family about Jesus, they received the Lord, and then they got water baptized as well. And she's proclaiming the good news, and then she invites them home, and they say, we'd love to stay with you. So she persuaded us. So the final questions as we wrap it up here. So can we know and learn about the will of God in our lives? Absolutely. Absolutely. How? Predominantly through the word, through prayer, through other mature Christians, through observation of learning what Christians do and should do and do do. Should we be involved in a prayer meeting? See, these are rhetorical questions again, aren't they? So ask the Holy Spirit. Am I lazy? Am I lethargic? What am I? Lackadaisical? I say I care, but I really don't. Between you and God. Can I use my spiritual gifts to bless others? Uh, there's the, the question, was uh, Lydia using a spiritual gift of hospitality? And again, you can do a study on it. Hospitality is not specifically said as a spiritual gift. It is a gift, but it's not titled as a spiritual gift. But we can look at it as a spiritual gift. Just throwing that out there, I wouldn't argue one way or another. Here's the real question. How deep am I willing to go in my Christian walk with God? You see, Lydia went all in. So how, how committed are you this morning? If you are, then allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you and transform your life. Transform your life. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word and we thank you and praise you that you, you graciously share your will with us. It's, it's not like the blind leading the blind here. You've written it down. You've given us your Holy Spirit. Your will is so obvious with, with so many questions, but our flesh, our flesh tries to convince us otherwise. That's why Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your flesh, crucify it, and follow me. It's not easy being a disciple. We have to be disciplined. We have to be willing to study, to learn, to ask questions, to listen. It's one of the hardest things to do. So Father, help us through your Holy Spirit to listen more and maybe talk less. That we might hear what your will is for our lives individually, with families, corporately as a church. We want to be in your perfect will. And Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ in these next few weeks as they're Regathering, Lord, and, and civil, civil disobedience is going to take place. We pray that they would not do it out of arrogance or self-righteousness or, or any of that nonsense, but that they would just do it out of love for your word and love for the sheep. And that as we have done over these last few weeks, that, that each one would love each other and honor each other, whatever that looks like, a, a handshake, a fist bump, a hug, whatever that looks like, Father. That every single person would, would love one another and, and honor each other and respect each other. But that we might, they might be able to gather as we're gathering, Lord. Such a blessing to gather. So give them wisdom and discernment, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. When we all stand, guys, God bless you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, please come up. We'd love to pray for you to receive Jesus as your Savior. God bless you guys. Have a great day. And again, thank you, veterans, for serving. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.